Hey, Mitch here from Get Into Geek. Before we get into our first review episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, just a note about some of the audio you're going to hear in this upcoming podcast. It does at times sound like I might be recording in the toilet. Uh, There's a little bit of echo there. That wasn't the case. I wasn't doing that, but it does sound like that anyway, which I do apologize about. We also had some other audio issues where one of our microphones at times did not record at great lengths throughout the podcast so we didn't find out about that until the end and it was a little bit too far then to go back and try and re-record what we may have missed along the way so there are plenty of story beats and little tidbits about the episode that we did bring up and really wanted to talk about but aren't in this final cut we will have to do that in one of our future episodes in the meantime enjoy this first episode review of falcon and the winter soldier and we'll be back for episode three Get into Geek, this is Marvel TV, I guess 2.0, uh, back from Marvel 1.0, not that we ever finished it, but we may one day, I have Maddie Gibson. Howdy. And from, well, a number of programs you may have heard of her on, uh, on Get Into Geek, but she's back so that we can geek her out with some Marvel gear and maybe hear a bit more of an objective opinion we have. Emma, how are you doing? <laughs> hey, finally made it to the big leagues. Um, so I'd like to say, I guess, that um, this this otherwise would have been, oh, what, episode 11 of, like, Marvel TV 2.0, but we just never got around to actually recording one for any of WandaVision, and this is kind of episodes one and two of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So what I will say is thank you for all being in the same laptop screen of mine guys and welcome to Maddie and Emma hello <laughs> it's a shame really because I didn't think it was a, partic- a particularly clever name but I was kind of happy to roll with what would have been uh our WandaVision chat and it was what we what we actually name our messenger chat to talk about these tv shows which is Wanda Listen oh god didn't I think I was clever that day one of your best Thank you. I mean, they're very few and far between. Um, so I did appre- I did appreciate your emoji and gift responses. That was a real like boost to my ego. I literally do not know how to communicate without gifts these days. I don't know how I ever communicated without them. I think it's seventy percent of our relationship, and I'm not I'm not upset by it. No. It's, it's made us it's made us stronger. So, if anything, Emma, you just need to up your gift game. <laughs> I think it just shows a level of pop culture knowledge to be able to like use a gif and then the people get it they're like oh i know i i get that reference is that a sign of like society regressing though we're just like we're going back to just drawing pictures on walls just sending pictures <laughs> basically <laughs> it's it's 21st century sign language apes together strong like well i saw on twitter today and yes i'm on twitter so that immediately puts me above a certain age so that's <laughs> ironic that i bring that up but it was it was a tweet about uh, and the woman said if you use a gif reaction in a message chain i instantly know you're above the age of 33 and i'm almost like hands up i'm i'm right here i'm in that demo and i'm not upset i'm proud of it well see i'm on tiktok which is where all the cool kids are um <laughs> and uh, just try to recapture my youth and, and there's there's a great one going around there where it's like so this is a message to the older generation on TikTok. So that's anyone born, you know, in like the early 90s. And I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> what am I doing here? I need to leave now. Young at heart, mate. Look at the room you're sitting in. Young at heart. 
Well, all right. So we we had to skip over one division. I'm sure we'll probably speak about it at some point as we go on talking about this uh, show. Not even I won't even say new show because I think the the fun thing about this Falcon and Winter Soldier, especially the way that it starts, and maybe I guess if we're talking about episodes one and two, we probably want to talk a little bit about number one first. I'm sure it'll all be mashed in there, but especially the way that it starts. And I can't claim to own this particular opinion, but I did see it online, and they said you know the fact that this show opens with this pretty lengthy action scene, and it was a pretty impressive one as well. Was it because this was supposed to be Marvel's first show, first Marvel TV series on Disney Plus, and it was supposed to initially come out, I think, in what August before coronavirus screwed up the production. It was like them making a statement, going, "Yeah, we're on TV, but yeah, we're putting some money into this shit." Um, so I, I think it really got off to a big bang, and I found myself watching it in my lounge room, going, "God, I wish." I wish I'd watched this on the big TV. And then I realized I actually was watching it on the big TV. It just felt small because anytime I've seen Falcon do something, it's on a big screen. And if, you know, he's weaving through canyons and fighting guys in uh, wingsuits and helicopters and there were, you know, uh, jets and shit. I'm like, this is really cool for Marvel TV. So even though we get it second, I think getting such a small story for one division, uh, really how small that entire show was that they come out with a bang bit and they go, this is going to be a completely different tone, a completely different story. And to make a statement, uh, I think, regardless of what we may or may not think about the rest of the episode or even the first two, I think it was a killer way to start. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, that opening really gave me that Marvel cinematic kind of vibe. And then it very quickly switched into this smaller, quieter stories. It almost gave me like Netflix vibes. They're like, it reminded me very much of like Daredevil, Jessica Jones style, you know, very small. So I thought that was a really nice juxtaposition of like Sam having this crazy, wonderful, you know, action packed life. And then going back to this very small, tiny story with, you know, trying to save his family business and all that kind of stuff. I thought that was a really interesting sort of back and forth. I don't know where that whole sister boat thing is going or if it will go anywhere, but it was a nice sort of, you know, way to, yeah, sort of have the, the, the real high highs and then the low lows. We were pretty keen to talk last week uh, before episode two came out and we just couldn't find a time to get behind the mics. And so I know you in particular, Emma, because Maddie and I were sort of gushing about a lot of this show and not that you said, oh, no, I hate it. I can't wait to talk about it. But you said, oh, no, I'm really keen to get behind the mic and, and share some maybe different opinions. I look forward to us, you know, um, uh, debating about this. So how did you go? Not so much even about episode one, but the first two uh, overall. Well, I mean, someone's always going to be the bad guy, right? <laughs> someone's going to rain Maddie, on your party. Maddie, this is when she's. This is when Emma says she loved the Snyder Cut, Maddie. So that's when she means <laughs> out being the bad guy. One battle at a time. Okay, no DC, no DC. <laughs> right. <about> that. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I mean, I'm just kind of struggling to find that connection to this storyline. I guess, like, I haven't read any of the comics in like regards to Falcon and that kind of stuff. So I don't really know his backstory. And I get that they're trying to push a bit more of his backstory with the whole, like, the sister and the boat and everything. But for me, it's just not hitting home in the same way that, like, Bucky's backstory did when we saw it in Captain America and all of that. So, yeah, for me, I'm still kind of a bit, not hesitant, but I'm just waiting for that, that moment where it will actually, hopefully, will grip me and pull me into the story a bit more yeah I think I'm I think I'm watching this very differently to the way I watched WandaVision 
in terms of, I mean, A, obviously Wanda is very X-Men related, which is my wheelhouse. So I was very much knowing a lot. But then also I feel like the the fandom and the fan theories were just insane, like the amount of things that were out there. And then we really didn't get a lot of payoff for that. So it's almost like we did it to ourselves of going, oh, is that, is that, all it was where it's like if if we hadn't have put ourselves into all those fan theories it would have been really really satisfying so yeah this time around a a i'm I'm like emma i know much less about sort of falcon and winter soldier um in total but also i think this time around I'm, i'm trying to stay clear of the little extra bits and pieces and the fan theories and the nuggets of information all that kind of stuff so i can be surprised but yeah it is and this is something Emma and I were talking about the other day. It's like, well, I'm I'm hoping that we get a payoff to the sister and, and the boat story. There's only six episodes for this run. So like there's even less than yeah. we had in Wanda. So time is really, really precious. So the only thing I can think of is either like Zemo or um uh what's his name? The the new captain Walker are gonna like use them again like use his family against him as like a bargaining chip or a damsel in distress situation. Like, that's the only thing I can think of for us to have spent so much time in that first episode. Like, in a meeting at a bank, asking for a loan. Like, I I, I did like the world expanding of being, it's like, okay, so this is the real monotonous kind of vibe of what is is the world like now post the blip? Everyone's coming back and it's like that stupid thing where they're denying people loans because they've had no income for the last five years. Because they didn't exist. Mm. It's like, how how can that even be a thing? And I feel like they that, that guy even made kind of a point. Like, in the, within the same breath, they were saying, oh, things are so weird right now. We're just trying to figure it out. And then he used that as a way to not give him that loan. Like, I just found that was a really weird... Like, they, they knew where they wanted to get to at the end of that scene. But they had too much fun at the start with him being this celebrity... Uh, Avenger, which I guess we've considering how public these characters are within their own world, we've never really had that. Like the only one I can really okay, Tony Stark, you take him out of the picture because he is a public personality anyway. But other than that, maybe seen in Ragnarok where Thor and Loki are standing at the um, at like the intersection in New York before Loki gets sent into Doctor Strange's little um, into the portals. Uh, and someone comes up and gets a selfie with with Thor. I don't think we've ever really had like a fanboy type moment in any of these films. So that's kind of cool to see that it's it's weird seeing these characters. I have to, I, I like you said, the world building's great to see. No, they actually do have to exist in the real world, and they've got to pay mortgages and they've got to get loans for businesses and stuff like that. But it feels weird seeing them as normal people because we've only ever seen them in a two-hour story where we haven't got time for any of that sort of shit where where we've got to dedicate all this to action 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 and story beats to get to the new action thing and it's two and a half hours of fun character development between action scenes and all that sort of stuff where not that i wanted to bring up dc but i mean it's much more of a budgetary thing and all that but like good or bad versions of any of their shows that are are on and the ones that maddie really really loves to hate um is that it's Again, it's a budgetary thing and the way they shoot it feels really weird, but it's like they exist as normal people. I can see that. But when they dress up, the way that they shoot those scenes, it just doesn't look... It looks funny. It looks like people wearing cosplay Mm -hmm. that are fighting in alleyways. Whereas... And so it's like I believe them as as their alter egos, as their normal 
people, but as soon as they've done the, the costumes, it just feels a little bit like, oh, okay, so we're watching a show. Whereas this, I'm watching Falcon in that um, in that opening scene. I'm like, yeah, I believe this. But as soon as, you know, he's struggling to, you know, sell fish at the local market, I'm like, oh, really? Like, you wouldn't have have this. And I feel like they're trying to, yeah, hit these little beats along the way. But mm. like you said, we're, two, we're already a third of the way through this show. And to compare it, even though it is longer episodes, to compare this to WandaVision, after two episodes, that was the premiere week. And for me, when I was trying to get people into this show, they go, I'll watch one episode, not into it. Or I watch two episodes. I'm like, no, 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 you've got to watch two. But then if you watch two, you should watch three. And three will make you want to watch four. And then four, if you'll want to watch five. Like I feel like there were little bits along the way. Whereas with um, this, I'm like, we haven't got that long to get into the story. If this was a mm. film, this is the opening act. This is the opening third. And... I'm liking a lot of it, but at the same time, I'm like, I feel like we should be further on in things by now. I don't know that they, at the end of episode two where they say, hey, we're going to go see that guy. Oh, you mean Zemo? I'm like, why would you assume him? But you did. And then you get a quick glimpse of him and it cuts to black. And it's like, really? That's the end of the first act of the film? I wouldn't have thought so. So, um, yeah, it's mm. it's weird pacing, I guess, considering we just got used to what WandaVision was. And it does, um, it does make uh, Tony Stark retroactively look like a bit of a dick. Like that, no one's oh, yeah. so like obviously, like you know, obviously, so much. it must be like in the military. It's like when you're part of it, everything's taken care of. Your food and your accommodations and all that kind of stuff is all taken care of. Obviously, and and Sam references like he was on the run with um with uh, Steve and Nat for a couple of years post Civil War. So obviously, they weren't you know being bankrolled by Tony then. But I saw someone online made a good point. It's like, well, it's established in the MCU now that, that there's Avengers merch. Like in, in Spider-Man Homecoming, those robbers rob the bank with like Thor and Hulk and Iron Man masks and stuff like that. So it's like, yeah. someone was funny. It's like, well, if Tony was clever, he would have like made sure that they got all the, the rights to merch and that could have paid all the <laughs> Avengers. And then not to bring up something I hate, but even, you know, even in Justice League, even Batman at the end, not only bought the Kent farm, he bought the bank that owned the Kent farm to give it back to them. Yeah. It's like, come on, Tony. Come on, man. Just sh shell out a few bucks yeah. and make sure everyone's taken care of. Maybe even more than Tony, it makes Pepper look bad because you think if anyone was going to split with their money, Pepper would happily go, oh, guys, here, I'll give you all 10 million each, mm. you know, and you can you can go look after yourselves because what, what does the current lineup look like? Like, you know... For old, I love Sam, like I love Falcon, but I don't know whether I just love him because I love Captain America and it's his little buddy. He gives him the shield. I'm like, well, is there an Avengers team anymore? Or is he just sort of taken the shield, put it in the cupboard, and he's had to go back and work for the military, which is what we mm. see him doing. He's being used for special missions. Um, well, and, so what, and he got an upgrade. It? Like he got a new wingsuit between Endgame and now, which is what do they say? It's been five months or something like that. Like five months, six six months. So yes, yeah. yeah, so this sort of takes place prior to prior to even um, far from home. I think someone someone yeah said. yeah that was eight months yeah yeah. So it's like well between Tony's funeral and now he's gotten a wingsuit upgrade. So who paid for that? Mm. Is that Avengers paid for that, or is that the U.S. military paid for that? Like how, they wouldn't have that kind of tech. You'd, you'd think like that wingsuit would be Stark tech, like the way it works. And actually, didn't even yeah. um, the little the little Lieutenant Torres guy didn't he even say that Torres, it was Stark yeah. tech? He said it was Stark, but I think I have read somewhere that it's all. I don't know whether it's in an offshoot canon thing or something. That I think it was between. 
I want to say between uh, Age of Ultron, when Falcon first shows up to help the Avengers, and Civil War, where he's a fully-fledged member going on missions, that's when he got a Stark upgrade. Because obviously post-Civil yeah. War, he's on the run, and well, then and after then... that, he's dead. And then after Endgame, Tony's dead not to help him. So he might not have had a new upgrade for years, but that current one definitely is, yeah, Stark tech. Yeah, well, he's, he's had at least three wingsuits. In that second episode, isn't... Um... Battlestar? Is that, I don't know what his actual name is. The oh, the offside of buddy. Yeah. Says they hacked his hacked his suit or his mm. wingsuit. Oh, yeah. And because it was government property. Yeah, yeah, right. Actually, see, I rewatched episode one today, but not episode two. Why would I do that? <laughs> well done. Well, and in <laughs> and in Civil War, remember he had to hand over his suit, like, and because it was the, yeah. there was the whole bird costume joke. When he had to hand over his mm. suit, and and um, Steve had to hand over the shield in Civil War. We, you did. You never really find out how he got the wings in the first place, right? Because I was I was racking my brain trying to think about. it. I was like, I think he just has them. No, they they, stole they them. were government supply or military supplies. Yeah, well, they were, but he had used them in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, he'd he'd used them when he was working. This was all in Winter Soldier. So he'd used them when three he was, Winter Soldiers. Yeah, when he was frame, working yeah. for the for the U.S. military. That was his like para paratrooper sort of specialist, and it was called the the Falcon wingsuit. Um, and then in a, in a scene we don't see in Winter Soldier, he t- he talks about oh I need these, and they say, oh to get them I need to break into a high high security facility, blah blah blah. And Nat and Steve just go oh that's easy, and then he's got them. He's got the wings. Yeah. Like they <laughs> see this is my biggest issue with Falcon is that he's just like. You know, whatever. I was like, I got this stuff. I'm just gonna show up. It's like, yeah. but how? What? Who are you? What? Where did you come from? What are you doing here? You're a dude with freaking metal wings. Just you're just flying around. Like, what? I did actually find myself thinking that rewatching episode one today and and the scene through the canyons and you know he's got a red wing, which in the comics, right, Matt? That's an actual like that's an actual bird, right? That he yeah. can like communicate with or something like in certain iterations. In the comics, Falcon is more of a like mutant metahuman, and he can telepathically communicate with right this bird, um, which is yeah, cool. So and this is tech based, and so it goes off, and he can you know it's it's got the weaponry and it's stealthy because it's small, and does then it comes back, him? attaches, does everything for him, yeah, like does the fighting for him, Literally. comes back, attaches to his pack, and then just it it shoots off, and I thought. Huh, I think for the first time, I think just because that's your difference is that you've got wings. You've got like a jetpack on. Like you don't, I'd argue you don't need the wings. Like it's giving you agility, but I feel like, like, you know, Iron Man's got repulsors on his hands. That's his agility. That's how he turns. Like I feel like it wouldn't be that much of a stretch to you to get something a little bit more practical than wings. Now they do justify it by when he's getting fired at and he can use it as a bulletproof shield which i don't think i'll ever get over watching whether we saw it in civil war mm. when he used it as one he's making like a phone call or he's on his power ranger communicator device on his wrist <laughs> or in this where he's standing in the plane with the cargo hold and he just sits there behind it just getting shot at i'm like that's cool that you can use that for and no one else has got that but yeah it does seem it's like got it's such a strange ability i wear a robot suit that has metal wings on it like that's your yeah like at least he's a what do you say a bit more metahuman type situation in the comics whereas this mm. he's like no nah, he's just a guy and i love that about him because i 
I connect more with the more human-esque type um, uh, heroes and characters and stuff. But it does seem... I don't know, maybe now that we're getting this focus on him for six hours in a TV show, it's like, ooh, I don't think you needed that magnifying glass. It does, does seem a little bit a little bit, a little bit, bit too much, a little bit strange, yeah. Well, the, the amount of times that he's side by side with Rhodey, who can do everything he can, but he's inside a metal suit that protects him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that can hold way more firepower. But I guess in the same yeah. way, like, I think one of the things they kind of subtextually put in is is War Machine is a lot slower than Iron Man, like because he's weighted down with yeah. all that extra armor and all the extra artillery. So I, I would almost counter that potentially Falcon is even faster than Iron Man in terms of speed. Mm. You raise a good point actually with Rhodey. I wanted to mention that because I think it took me the third or fourth cut away back to Rhodey in, uh, in that scene at the Smithsonian where we've seen Brian like, holy shit, hang on, that's that's Don Cheadle. He's in this show. Like, it just seems so natural that he was there because mm. they're all in these films. They all have a reason. Like, it's believable that if this is going on, it's a government, it's a military thing, it's at this great war memorial and and, uh, and museum and whatnot, and Rhodey's there. And I'm like, no, he's getting his own show, but for that actor to be in this show, you can draw him in any comic you want, but Don Cheadle's in this, and he may never show up again in this show. But the fact that he came in and did, you know, two scenes worth, I'm like, that's that's cool. I love that. Like, mm. I don't want these actors to sign their life away to these roles, but I want these actors to sign their life away to these roles. Like, you play them <laughs> once, you play them 100 times. Tom Holland, you started playing Spider-Man at 22. I'm sorry, mate. That's you for the next 50 years in, if they don't ever kill Spider-Man. Like, get used to it. I'm sorry. I'm a selfish fanboy. But that was really cool to see him and just sort of, I guess, set the stage that, yeah, this is Marvel TV, but this is Marvel movie adjacent. It just happens to be on a small screen. Yeah, I agree with yeah. that. Or it was part of his Armor Wars and they were just like, you know, if you want your own Armor Wars TV show, you've got to come and do a cameo in this first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I see you're going to make me ask. Why didn't you take up the mantle? When Steve first told me about the shield, the first words I said were, it feels like it belongs to someone else. Yeah. That someone else is Steve. The only thing I didn't like about that was that there was no resolution to their relationship, I think. Mm. Like, like Falcon was the reason that Rhodey broke his legs, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, kind of, I guess. Yeah, like in, yeah, far more indirect because he was the one that landed, wasn't he? He he landed and that's and Tony shot him yeah. when Rhodey was, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, Vision. And that was, it was, it was, yeah, you're right. It was Vision's no, vi- Vision shot. Yeah, but I yeah. think Falcon come and landed and said, I'm sorry because yeah. it was for, yeah, I. Mm. you're right, actually. I didn't even think about that. I did find myself wondering whether these two have ever actually had a conversation on screen before in the MCU, um, but you're right. That's a that's a really sore point that we probably could have got some kind of resolution. Totally passed over, and I was sitting there yeah. being like, "Why are these two people having a civil conversation? There's no way <laughs> that this should happen." Yeah, yeah, because I guess I guess their last interaction was what Infinity War when like Steve comes back into the fold after he sort of has to rescue uh, Wanda and Vision, and it's like. Steve and Rhodey have a moment, but 
yeah, Sam, not really. And then, and then Sam's gone for the blip. Sam was gone. So it's not like yeah. he and Rhodey mm. reconciled then, but then the battle of Wakanda, like they were, they were the air support and they were working together. So yeah, like Rhodey seemed to get got over that real quick, didn't he? Mm. I feel like you could, that could have actually been a really, like Emma raises such a good point there. Like you could have actually had a, like even just a little two line, I think, comment where they're standing there looking at one of the posters or you know things about cap and him just even know because roadie still does walk with like some assistance does like a mechanical leg you might not ever see it under this you know under his suit pants yeah or like whatever exo, we're meant to believe that he still gets some yeah and he could even just notice that roadie still walks with a bit of a limp and just ask oh how's the leg or how's like just is almost like hey i'm not shying away from the fact that i was kind of responsible. And then Rhodey even make a point like, hey, I've come a long way in five years. Leave it alone, you know, just forget yeah. about it. And maybe Rhodey just blames Vision. Cause like, cause it's like Vision was shooting at Sam. Sam ducked out of the way and his beam hit Rhodey. So could yeah. you, could you really blame Sam for that? Or is that all Vision? Uh, I don't think you would blame someone that you couldn't physically like take. <laughs> you know, there's no point in blaming Vision because what... But you know what I mean? You'd rather blame a guy that you could punch, you know? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm 100% Team Iron Man. So, uh, yeah, for me, oh my screw God. that guy. You're in the what? wrong room, yeah. Emma. Okay, look. I, I know. <laughs> okay, on that, that, that sort of brings me to what I wanted to talk about with the, the flag smashes, um, which I'm glad that they brought up. I think it was episode one and um, and Sam said, oh, is that, what, is, that, is that the new thing? The bad guys have really bad names. I'm like, that's great because you can use a, a, a bit of source material with a group called the flag smashes, but then reference the fact that it's a stupid freaking name. But while we didn't get much in episode one, and you can certainly argue even by the end of episode two, we don't find out much. There's the, I think the idea of them, at least in this show, and again, I, I, to go back to what we were talking about earlier, like um, I'm glad that Maddie said, you know, you and about Falcon in particular, you don't know too much about because, you know, Emma said she's never read the comics. I haven't read the comics. We, as a podcast, as a show, talking about this program, we're not coming at it as a, hey, let's compare this to the comics and how does it relate to the comics. We're purely talking about it as its own product and, if anything, how it relates to the movies. But um, just thinking about the idea of, of those bad guys they're kind of in that thanos type uh, and, and killmonger type um territory where it's like are they right like they're basing their um their motives on the blip and and the five years of the blip which we know about but we didn't experience through film but the idea of hey we want a world where we're not you know, governed by borders and flags and different governments and all that sort of stuff. We are one people, we are one world, and we should be able to function like that. And the idea that, yeah, if all of a sudden 3 billion people suddenly showed back up, the world would go into chaos. That You would think six months later we wouldn't have a world functioning as well as it does uh, in this show. But while we don't know a lot about these guys yet, I I'm hoping that we will delve into them uh, a lot more to the point where we might actually sympathise with them because they look like a bunch of, you know, young people really. So they're 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 the, they're the 2023 version of woke, um, saying let's let's take the world backwards a little bit and we can be one nation across the world. And I'm like, oh, geez, maybe maybe you are right. We haven't experienced the blip, but maybe if we get flashbacks, maybe you'll prove that you're onto something. 
I kind of already do sympathize with them, I think, especially from episode two. You kind of get a vibe, and, and there is a very uh, quick mention of their kind of running from the power broker, which is a name that we should all sort of um, take note of because I think he's going to be big in, in, in more than one way. But it almost feels like the six or eight of these, of this little sort of, you know, group, I think they stole their abilities. It, ma- it makes me feel like they weren't supposed to get the super soldier serum, but they stole it from the power broker. Um, and now they're kind of almost like their own little militia inside this group. Cause really they are doing the right thing. They're, they're stealing medical supplies and, and food and, and that kind of thing to help the people that were forgotten with the blip, with all these people coming back, you know? And, and I think it does tie into uh, all the fans as well. So many fans during Infinity War and Endgame were like, Thanos is right, you know? They, like, we are overpopulated. I mean, yeah, he's doing it in an absolutely disgusting, horrific, genocidal way, but the actual core ideal that he had is actually kind of altruistic. So it kind of does tie into to that and the, and the real world implications of that of, yeah, in Endgame we saw that, you know, five years after the snap, life kind of sucked. But potentially in, say, 15 years, could life have been better than what it is now that everyone's back? Well, yeah, she, the, the young girl has that little speech to them in, in the bunker when she says about how the, uh, I can't remember the acronym they use, but the, the organisation that's looking after all of the people who have returned. She says they care more about the people that came back than the people that were here the whole time. To get away from those guys for a second, I know we were talking about Sam a fair bit before, but to talk about the other half of the show, strangely enough, like Winter Soldier, you know, again, we haven't got, I mean, the whole first episode, we didn't get either of these two interacting. Uh, it was very much just, sort of, hey, this is where he is and this is where he is. And then the second, they just sort of get thrown together and I'll talk about that a little bit later uh, on as well but um, how are we feeling about um, the Bucky side of things I know you Emma you said before you're actually you're buying more into him because of uh, of his backstory but as far as hey this is where we find him six months after Endgame does it does it feel right where we see him or does it feel like it's just oh it's convenient for the show where we need him to start off this next chapter honestly I think it's a bit of both some at some points like while I'm sitting there watching it I feel like some of the writing is like a little bit lazy it's it's almost like they know their end goal and they know they have to get there and it's just we'll just mash this the way that we have to in order to get there in some points but I I do I do enjoy Bucky's storyline I think I can't I can't imagine what it would be like having come back from everything that he's been through and then immediately losing Steve and then like having to kind of figure out the world as it is now and not having anybody there to really like guide him through it I think like the the character growth that he's going to have and that we're kind of seeing is really really interesting the the whole interaction with his psychologist and everything is kind of uh I'm interested to see if that develops anywhere because we get that little hint of what is going on in his head when she's kind of doing a a session with him and Sam in the in the same room and he kind of has this moment where he breaks and says you know like if if Steve was wrong about you then he might be wrong about me and that it, it, broke like, you can me. see that yeah <laughs> that is the most we've gotten character development bucky wise you know i would argue since you know uh, the first avenger 
that little, and all credit to Sebastian Stan, just that little voice crack right at the end when he's like, wrong about me. If you listen to that, I actually teared up watching that. That was phenomenal to me. I really enjoy those, those therapy scenes. That's what likens it to me so much. The, like it throws back for me, the, the Netflix Daredevil and Jessica Jones. The fact that we take these, these long periods of time with these very static shots to really explore the psychology of the character. And then to top that off, you also throw in a great comedic moment, which apparently wasn't even in the script, which is the whole the whole knee thing and, and sliding their legs between each other. None of that was in the script. That was all kind of improv between the two of them oh, on the right. day, okay. which I think is, is fantastic and shows the connection that they have um, as actors. Why'd you give up that shield? Why are you making such a big deal out of something that has nothing to do with you? Steve believed in you. He trusted you. He gave you that shield for a reason. That shield, that is, that is everything he stood for. That is his legacy. He gave you that shield and you threw it away like it was nothing. Or so shield. maybe he was wrong about you. And if he was wrong about you, then he was wrong about me. I think that line saves that scene for me. Yeah. Because it, it just felt like that was a big part of, I think, well, maybe not the most recent trailer, but certainly one of the trailers where people, oh, this is like a, a buddy cop thing where, you know, they're, they're, there's a lot of friction between these two. And and I just when I said a couple of minutes ago that when we first see them, is, is it just before Falcon or Sam's about to go on like another mission and, and Bucky just sort of shows up and goes, hey, I'm coming. And yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, so he can, so he can do that because he's going overseas and he's going on a mission. Okay, cool. So he's just allowed to do that and they go and they do their mission. And again, I haven't rewatched episode two. I'm sort of a bit hazy about what happens. And then... And they come back and they go and oh, of course it was. Yeah. 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 And they just they do that. And then, you know, the um a new Captain America and uh is it Battlestar that you said before they show up and like, hey, both of you guys are here, cool. Well, we wanted to talk to both of you. And I'm like, really? Because the just just because they're here, or is it like you anyway, whatever, cool. Like just felt like, hey, we need these guys together and bang, they were together. And then, you know, they had that argument um outside the 1950s black Captain America that we've never heard of before, but well, you know, I know I've I think I've heard of him from comics and stuff, but within the uh, within the um, MCU, so it'll be interesting to see whether we go back. Well, I hope we go back to him because I'm a fan of um, that actor from past TV shows. But um, it felt like almost like they'd worked some stuff out, you know, right before um, Bucky got arrested, and then all of a sudden they were in that um, psychologist session. And they're like hating each other. And I'm like, I feel like I missed a scene. Like, yeah. I, I understand they just shared a cell, but it felt like that scene was shot and then they just needed to, to fit it. I don't know, it just felt a little bit out of um, place, which is weird because One Division, we wanted more of it. You know, that show, some episodes are 23 minutes, others were 35. And it was like, oh, we just want, we want more of it. We feel like it was just getting started. And whereas this show is longer, but still feels really rushed in a sense. Like, I'm not, I've, I don't know. I feel like everything you're touching on is good, but I feel like we're not we're not letting everything in there breathe enough to to make me. I don't know. I think it's sucked into their relationship and their personal struggles. They're both best friends of the same guy. Like that is an interesting point. Like that's an interesting point between you know either of you two and myself might be in that situation where we are both you know we're we're best friends with someone and there's there's some weird triangle, but. Then you have that great moment where Bucky really shows who he is. Like you guys just said, that really got you. And 
and that's going back and you can you can that line you you know that journey i'm like that takes me back to episode to episode one the captain america one all the way through to civil war and and steve wanting to save him at the end of uh, of winter soldier and what he felt like when both of them were gone in the blip and i'm like good more of that and less of the less of the other stuff it's like you said the lazy lazy writing just seems a little bit evident yeah maybe this is something you or steve will never understand but can you accept that I did what I thought was right? So I think looking at the shield, rewatching episode one today, and again because I love the character, but the shield, and they make a big point. They go, "This is a symbol," and I'm like, "It is." Like it's, and it's testament to, I guess, the franchise where like the costume is ridiculous. He wears an American flag for a costume, like it's so cheesy uh, and and a product of its time when it was created. But it works, like whether it's really blue, like it was in Captain America uh, First Avenger, or they went to a much deeper blue and they tried to make it look really military and practical in the Winter Soldier. And then you get Endgame where they bring in the the, um, sort of scale look and it's an amalgamation of sort of everything we've seen before. All of them work and they shouldn't. He's got a big freaking A on his forehead for Christ's sake. Like it shouldn't work, but it does. And then I look at that shield, I'm like, yeah, that shield is such a cool icon of this franchise and for that character and it's very unique to him. And and then you get some nufty at the end of episode one come out holding it and I feel like the characters are, I'm like, you don't deserve that shield, that's not yours. That's where I do become Team Stark and I'm yelling at him at the end of Civil War going, that's not your shield, put it down, you don't deserve it. So where do we... That's where I go full Harry Potter. And it's like, how dare you stand where he stood? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah where would he wore, stand where he stood? Um, so how do we feel about, I know we, you know, had we've spoken after episode one, we probably would have had nothing but awful things to say and referencing a lot of the memes because the internet kind of imploded on itself uh, with mocking how John Walker looked. But since then, like you sort of watch him and kind of like the flag smashes, but from a different point of view, I'm like, dude, I can understand where this guy's coming from. He's sort of been told to do this. And he is maybe the modern day Steve Rogers where he's just trying to do the right thing. He's a very good soldier. He's trying to do the right thing, but there's plenty of people out there that don't want the, the most important people whose opinions he wants and sort of permission, I guess, that he wants to do it. Don't want him to do it. And you see signs of him getting pretty pissed off about that in this episode but whether or not that's going to boil over by the end or not. Um, but, yeah, we would have certainly had a different opinion only after episode one. But considering we have seen two, how do you feel about, yeah, John Walker, Cap 2.0? This is where I hate the internet. Like, the amount of hate that Wyatt Russell has gotten for his character is ridiculous. I mean, when we first see what? him with that ill-fitting helmet that looks like a bad cosplay... Like, that's intentional. He's supposed to look derpy. Like, we're supposed to hate this character. So, like, I've seen a lot online of people trying to really delve into this subtext and they're like, if you look at John Walker's costume, he's got the American flag on his shoulder, not the Avengers logo like uh, Steve had. Well, duh. A, he's not an Avenger. And B, he's Captain fucking America. He's doing what Steve did back in the 1950s. He's just being a symbol. And he's working for the US military. Duh. Like, and they're getting into all this stuff being like, oh, the subtext of this and the subtext of that. And it's like, no, you idiots. It's not subtext. It's just text. You're not <laughs> clever. It's out there. Yeah. And for one, he's 
He's the product of Kurt Russell and Goldie Horn. Have some goddamn respect, please. <laughs> so I guess, uh, I mean, I, I would be here every single day and every single week watching this show, and I dare say Maddie would be the same thing. But someone a bit more objectively speaking, Emma, and obviously you weren't, uh, even though we weren't, I guess we're not 10 out of 10 for this show yet, you were certainly a bit more like, no, it's, I need more for it to grab me. If we weren't having this chat right now, or if you didn't know this is only a six-episode series, would you have you seen enough to make you want to come back naturally for episode three, or do you think you'd go? I'd happily skip this show at this point. If I wasn't, if I if I wasn't a Marvel fan in general, I probably wouldn't stick mm. it out at this point. It is just the fact that I I know at like at some point this is all probably going to link into each other, like. There, there has to be a crossover at some point. And so it's, I feel like it's important to kind of watch all of them across the board, just cover your bases and know everything that's going on. They're going to sneaky like throwback or something. Well, we will be back uh, to talk about episode three on the uh, next episode of Marvel TV 2.0 here on uh, Get Into Geek. Uh, until then, uh, yeah, we'll uh, yeah, catch us all on the socials and things. Uh, uh, Mitch underscore Lewis on Twitter and Instagram. Maddie, where you at? At High Pitch Maddie on all the things and stuff. And Emma, I'm never too sure. I know you're, you, you you keep it private. You're public now. I don't know. Do you want to plug anything you're going on? What's uh, what, what, what's going on? Uh. Like, my personal Instagram is just photos of my dog, so you probably don't really want to be too interested in that. <laughs> but I do have uh, an Instagram with some friends where we just drive around and do dumb stuff, and um, you should go check that out. It is We Explore It. We Explore It. Okay, excellent. I mean, this is me finding that out for the first time too, so oh, uh, okay. at least two at least two new followers uh, uh, as of this podcast Ooh. recording, so yeah. <laughs> and if you could put your dog in a wingsuit, then we'll definitely be coming to your private Instagram as well to check that out. I mean, everything's better with a wingsuit. If the podcast has taught us nothing else, it's that everything's better with a wingsuit. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> everyone everyone, say hi, good. All right, we'll be back next week to talk episode three of Falcon and Winter Soldier. Get into Geek.